0: Coming to you completely, entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude, I'm Mario Francisco Robles.
1: I'm Brett Miro. Put on your capes and wipe your ass, because it's episode 153 of the Fanboy Podcast. Yes, it is. Brett, what have you been watching or playing this week? Well, I think I'm just going to keep it short, because I got one thing, and it's a real damn good thing this week, all right? Oh. And it happened today. Today the day that we are recording this podcast.
0: A good thing happened today?
1: Okay, a good thing happened today. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, the new nostalgia-fueled uh throwback beat 'em up video game launched today and if you are an Xbox Game Pass no. subscriber, it's free and included oh, and if it's you're an not
0: Xbox thing.
1: It's on every system though. Oh. And if you are going to buy it, I think it's like 22.50. And let me tell you, I played the I first five levels. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. <laughs> like, I if need you that are in my life. If you're like a male over 30, this is like, it's the best thing ever. Like, everyone was just talking about it today on Twitter. Everyone's like, why do I have a job? Why can't I just be playing this right now? Yeah. So I got home, I, I used my Xbox Game Pass app to download it to my console. And then when I got home, it was ready to go. So, quick little rundown. So basically, this is a 2D side scroller beat em up. You know, like the old Ninja Turtle games, heavily inspired by the original arcade game and Turtles in Time, uh, which was in the arcade and on Super Nintendo. And let me tell you, there is so much love in this game and nostalgia and Easter eggs. And it's phenomenal. It's, you know, 2D sprite style. The animation is gorgeous and beautiful. All of the voices are done by the original animated TV show voice cast. Um, They did a great animated intro for it as well with the teenage mutant turtles theme song uh april and splinter are also playable characters in addition to the turtles and they announced that as a secret unlockable character casey jones is included in there it includes (laughs) online co-op on couch co-op and you can play up to six players at one time is there
0: cross-platform play
1: there is not cross-platform which kind of blows um so that's the only thing that stinks but i mean it is, it is awesome. Um, another really cool thing, uh, Wu-Tang recorded a song, <laughs> like an awesome, like really great beat about the Ninja Turtles, and it's in the game. Also, they took me? old tracks from the old games and remixed them. So there's some of those Turtles in Time like songs that were playing in the background in the arcade game. There's new music that's heavily inspired. Um, everything about this game is perfect. Like just from, wow. you know, even like the voices are a little bit like down sampled. So they sound a little shittier than they should. Um, but it's, it's awesome. It has, it's it just like a little extra modern, uh, touches and flourishes. And, uh, what I'll say too, is they did, um, it's not as frustrating as some of the, or as button mashy necessarily as the old okay. games. So, you know, you're still, you know, tapping the button, beating people yeah. up, but they, uh, because there's more buttons on the controllers now, they just like, made everything a lot better. Like every turtle has like a attack that is kind of like a Shoryuken. It like rises up and hits people in the air. It's easier to execute. They've added like these cool special meters that build up and then you can use them, you know, once your meter hits, there's like leveling up. So you upgrade your hit points, you unlock new abilities and skills, and there's a little more depth to the combat. It's a little more skill based. You can actually dodge now. Um, There's not really a lot of like frustrating like attacks. Um, there's definitely a little more, like, like I said, there's, it's more skill-based. It's not just bash yeah. the buttons and then you get hit by like an unfair move. So okay. they, they did all the right little tweaks and it feels just like a modern, you know, released in 2022, uh, old school style brawler. It's I uh, I can't stop raving about it. I, like I said, yeah. I played like five levels and I think there's like 16 total and there's a story yeah. mode. So there's collectibles, there's all these level challenges. So there's a lot of replayability. Um, and then, uh, also, you know, you can like upgrade and level up each turtle, there's also an arcade mode, which is just like level to level, none of the little world map stuff, no collectibles. And I think all the abilities are unlocked from the get-go and you can just kind of keep replaying that and plow through. I've heard it's about maybe like two hours to beat total. So it's just something yeah. you can just keep running, having fun with your friends and uh, yeah. Uh, or your I think son, because
0: it's funny you mentioned this. A, a-, a few months yeah. back, my son Sebastian and I, we got on a kick of playing those kind of old school 2D em Yeah, this We is were doing perfect, double Dragon. <laughs> We were doing final fight and whatever, streets of rage. We were doing all these kinds of ones with that style, and uh, we were obsessed with those. And I remember at the time thinking it would be so cool if those old Ninja Turtle games were available. But I know that like with the licensing and Konami and Ninja, I, I wasn't sure if the, if we ever could. But now to hear this, now I'm gonna be this buying that
1: thing. immediately. Perfect. Yeah, you guys will enjoy That's- the hell out of it. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. And uh, all right, so that's what you've been playing. Have you been watching anything interesting aside from what we're um, going to talk about at the end of this episode?
1: Yeah, I don't think I've checked out yet anything like new, other than like stuff I addressed last week and the stuff we're going to talk about in the show. So i figure we'll okay. just stick to that.
0: Got it. Well, for me, look, uh, my schedule's been a little bit crazy, so I haven't had a ton of viewing time. But I have actually been sneaking in some stuff. So uh, I finally dove into the current season of Barry on HBO. I love me some Bill Hader. I love me three Winkler. I mean, that series, Barry, is excellent. I don't know if have you had a chance to check it out.
1: I think Jesse and I had watched it, but I think we might have dropped off somewhere midway or towards the end of season two. I don't yeah. think we finished it. So I need to go back and maybe catch up. But yes, uh, it's something I actually do plan to do. Yeah.
0: Yes, you do. Cause season three season is three. crazy. Lots of crazy twists. Lots of things that like lots of things that subvert your expectations to about what the show is and how we feel about our protagonist. And yeah, no, Barry's been season three has been fire. I also watched the four part mini series that just hit Netflix called Keep Sweet. Pray and Obey. It's a documentary series on Warren Jeffs and the fundamentalist uh, church of whatever, Latter-day Saints. I don't know what they're called, but some crazy polygamist cult. And uh, I'm into cult documentaries. I'm fascinated by how these people are able to, you know, fool all these people into thinking they know the secrets of life and how people just like hand over their freedoms to these lunatics and you know I, i'm just i've always been fascinated by cults so um keep sweet pray and obey perfectly hit the spot on that when it my comes friend to- keeps
1: telling me to keep sweet <laughs> and texting me oh, yeah. that and <laughs> i have no idea what he's talking about and it sounds so creepy and now i have to it watch is. the documentary
0: <laughs> now you have to you really do
1: um
0: but also then in terms of gaming kind of bringing it back to playing games with my son I'm happy to report that since we last recorded, uh, my son and I have played and defeated Link's Awakening, uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on the Nintendo Switch. And that was so cool. cool, Yeah, the remake. Remake. Yes. And me and my son, we we played through the whole thing together. He beat the final bosses and the final dungeon by himself. I just kind of stood back and gave him pointers. was very very satisfying it was very cool and to you know to have my son beat a zelda game and roll credits at the end i was like good for you way to go now you're now you're off to the races now you're ready to do some real gaming you know so uh yeah link's awakening was a thing and now we've started the hd remaster of skyward sword which i know that's like your favorite story um,
1: story wise it's my like my favorite story i know a lot of people are really sour on that game but um, I I really like the story wise. But yeah, I know i understand gameplays wise, it's a little bit of a detour. And then if you go back, if you go and play Breath of the Wild now, it feels like so restrictive compared to Out Free. Oh Breath really? Of the, Wild. the story well, is top.
0: Yes, yes. So we we started that two nights ago, and that's probably going to take us a while to get through. But uh, yeah, so that's what I'm watching. That's what I'm playing. And now let's get go ahead and dive into some of the topics this week. And as we o- are as we are often want to do, we're going to kick things off proper with a Superman on film update for June seventeenth, two thousand and twenty-three. Now I wasn't here last week when you held down the fort by yourself, as you did so masterfully. And at the time, you offered the uh, the nothing burger of an update. And I've looked, and there still isn't really any kind of update, but the last scrap of information that I could find that I have yet to discuss here on this show came out in a Variety piece on June the 7th. And on June the 7th, Variety merely made mention of the fact that despite them having a script from Tanahisi Coates, and despite that there having been some initial planning of a Superman reboot as of right now, absolutely nothing has been finalized. So it's just still more of this idea that the Superman stuff is still very much in some kind of limbo and there is no set plan according to Variety as of June the 7th of 2023. So unfortunately that's your superman on film update for for this week that right now even with the script being turned in even with high profiled you know high profile talent attached to it like jj abrams and ta-nehisi coates warner brothers has still not based you know, green lit or finalized anything when it comes to seeing our man of steel up back on the screen so there you go but You know, there is some interesting D.C. news in general that we have to mull over, Brett, because some crazy info has come out about Joker 2. All right. Now, first of all, before we even get into the news news that's come out, how do you feel in general about there being a Joker 2? I just want to get your take on that before we get into the craziness that's come out this week about it.
1: Yeah, so I did actually go into that um a, a bit last week when I was uh, doing the solo podcast, but yeah. I'll try to keep it short. Um I I'm, I'm a little mixed on it because of the way that the first uh film kind of left off with this kind of ambiguity, um, and there were a lot of questions and a lot of interpretations over whether, how much of that film that we, the things we saw were in Joker's head, if they actually happened, was he in the asylum all along? And by just in the nature of having a sequel, it seems like some of that mystery – maybe it won't. Maybe they'll execute it some amazing way, but some of that yeah. mystery will maybe be taken away. Some things may be answered that maybe we didn't want answered and that made that movie so special. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, you know, you don't – I always say like you, you don't always have to have a sequel. I'm a fan of standalone things. But at the same time, you know, I mean I feel like – I, I every director and every like big actor that's attached to something always says, well, you know, we're not thinking of a sequel, but you know, if the right script comes along and the right idea, then we'll do it. And it's like, (laughs) or if the paycheck's big enough, I don't know. One one or the other. So it looks like they had something here and uh, you know, but now we have way more detail uh, than I had last week. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's get into the details because yeah, listen, I'll admit similar to you. I was skeptical about the idea of there being any kind of sequel to Joker. To me, that was a special film. It was Todd Phillips really swinging for the fences. And it gave me a whole, a whole new level of respect for him because, you know, I enjoyed the hangover movies. I enjoyed that one that he did that road trip movie he did with, uh, Downey jr. And Zach Galifianakis, you know, I like, yeah, I enjoy me some Todd Phillips, but with the Joker, Now I suddenly realize, like, oh, no, we have, like, there's an auteur in there. There's someone, there's an actual artist with a vision and something to say in there. And I know for a fact, you know, he said it in, in interviews and whatnot, and I thought it was very clear to see, too, that, you know, he essentially had a story and a statement he wanted to make. And he knew that he could make this story about just some random guy named Arthur Fleck and a certain amount of people will watch it. And be moved by it. But if he makes it about the Joker. Now suddenly in this current landscape. Now there's a lot more eyeballs. And a lot more interested. So he kind of did a thing where it's like. he, Him and Joaquin Phoenix. Basically kind of had a type of story. They wanted to tell. And it sounded like they almost retrofitted it. To DC. So to make it more palatable. To make it sell. Right. And look it ended up being a billion dollar movie. So clearly that that thought really worked. It really connected. And, um, but, but, but see, but thinking of it that way, like that made the thought of a sequel to me even more outlandish. Like, here is this very personal story that that that's very much about societal issues and it's some sort of statement movie about how we treat people with mental illness and all this kind of stuff. How do you now go? And now here comes part two. And it's like, and but, but here's the twist, right? Because we're getting Joker 2. The musical—that's the news now, and now it (laughs) got—it's got me wondering. I'm like, wait a minute. So maybe this isn't going to be exactly what we think. Maybe this is going to be another kind of weird left turn reinvention from Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix. You know, because the first one—I don't know if you noticed this, Brett—it was not a musical. So, (laughs) so but there was.
1: Uh, musicality and music was a very important factor, yes. so it's not that big of a stretch necessarily. But I also wonder when they say it's a musical. I'm I'm curious, like how far are we going with that? Like, are there just a yeah. couple of like weird, dreamy dance numbers and maybe a song or two, or are they really going? Like, is this going to be like in the heights? <laughs> you know, the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm curious, but yes, well, yeah. Continue on.
0: Well, one sort of clue where they might be going with that is. The supposed co-star for Joaquin Phoenix in this one because part of the big report that came out from varieties not only is it gonna be amusable, but Lady Gaga is apparently in early talks to play Harley Quinn in The Joker 2. Yeah. So uh that might imply that there's a fair amount of music in this too, because she's uh, she's an amazing singer and artist, right. and you know it it, it y- you know, I don't think you hire a vocal powerhouse like Lady Gaga coming off of a star is born and stuff like that. You know, I don't think you hire her for something that's only going to have like a number or two, you know? Right. So it really makes me wonder like where they're going to go with this. Are they going to true romance it somehow? Are they going to like, yeah, I, I'm just, I want to see what they come up with. But having these insanely brilliant people in a room putting this together gets the excited. Having God Phillips. With fucking Phoenix, bring in Lady Gaga now, and you're adding a whole new genre twist. I have a feeling that we're gonna get another like art house Joker movie. So to me, that takes some of the sting off of it being a sequel. It's not like they're gonna try to like repeat what worked in the first one. They're gonna take they're gonna do some other great like great artistic twist on mythology. You know?
1: Yeah. So so. I would say from you know from last week when I when I covered this, um, we were talking. Uh, I was talking a little bit about the title, uh, which I'm yeah. assuming is the title. It's what's on the script, and it's. I, I sound stupid saying anything in French, but it's Joker Folie à uh, which yeah. is actually um, a the psychiatric condition. Like it. oh. Yeah, oh. it's actually it's actually a real condition where um, two people start to share in the same delusions um oh. so if you actually yeah. listen to the episode um or for yeah. listeners that did listen or watch you yeah. kind of hear me kind of like i was talking about it in real time a little sour on it like as i just mentioned I'm but not then you about realized sequel. and then the i end. said well when you know the first movie was making a statement certainly about mental health and how we treat people in this country i mean yeah. it, it, there's a direct correlation with that so i said well what they have to if they really said, you know, we're not going to do this unless we have something to say, what is it going to be? And as I started yeah. like mulling it over and talking about it, I said, well, if you we think in this country about, you know, maybe and I, I tried not to. I don't want to get political. I didn't really get very political. I tried not to. Yeah. But you think about this country and just things that have been going on in recent years and, you know, the delusions that some people kind of share in, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> without getting too specific. Man. I said, you know, maybe there is something there about um, shared delusions about shared mm. delusions someone saying something over and over again you know that may be total bs or a lie and yeah uh, people that start to believe it and go along with it and think that is reality um so i was like there, there's definitely something there that's very pertinent to today so as i started talking about it i was like oh i'm actually kind of getting excited for it and then we got this bombshell yeah. like the day after that it's gonna be a freaking musical and i'm like whoa yeah. this is gonna be uh nuts but that might be a really uh, interesting uh, method of delivery,
0: <laughs> and it's fascinating too because depending on the origin story they go with, if they go with the thing that it's Doctor Harlene Quinzel and she's a doctor at the you know sanitarium where he is, it'd be interesting if like as they're doing therapy together and working together, they start you know something happens like the chemistry between them where they start seeing you know life through the same warped lens in a way, you know? right? But then again, a part of me doesn't even want them to revisit the sanitarium because and then again, it's going to over explain the first movie. I think right. this sequel would be great to just start the story in action and have the whole time. You're wondering, is this because he broke out and this is what happened after that movie? Or is this all in his head? Like, don't explain it to us at all. Just, you know, Joker Two, whatever the name is and just yeah. go into the story. And yeah. Um, hmm. But yeah, so either way, having Lady Gaga suddenly pop up now as a secondary Harley Quinn. We have the Margot Robbie Harley Quinn established. Now we're going to have Academy Award nominated, Grammy Award winning Lady Gaga established as a second Harley Quinn. I mean, this is a pretty crazy time to be a fan. You know, this is, uh, you know, the one thing that I'm not in love with about this news Is that it's gonna it's it looks like it's pulling Todd Phillips off of a project that I've been paying a lot of attention to in the background in the periphery because after Joker had all of its wild success, Todd Phillips announced that now he was gonna turn his attention towards Hulk Hogan and that he had cast Chris Hemsworth Thor himself to play the Hulkster, and it was gonna be a period piece. Set in the '80s, and while it keeps getting referred to as a Hogan biopic, I don't think it's a biopic in the traditional sense of now we're going to watch him from you know when he was born to today, and here's the whole ups and downs of his life. I don't think it's that kind of thing. From everything that was revealed about the film early on, I think we're going back two years now. Right? Uh, it it was going to be set entirely in the '80s. It sounds like it's going to be more like about a moment in time. Hulkamania life yeah and kind (laughs) of like and i wonder like you know like maybe taking a look at what was going on behind the scenes or what it's like to suddenly be at the height of this hysteria you know where you walk out and there's eighty-seven thousand people cheering for you and you know i just like i I feel like it it looks like it's gonna it's gonna look at the hulk hogan experience from a different sort of distorted or or another kind of viewpoint you know todd phillips sound like he had an interesting way he was going to approach it so i'm like it's todd phillips it's Hulk Hogan. It's Chris Hemsworth. I'm in. Take my money. You know? Right. But unfortunately, with this news that's come out about Joker 2's, you know, getting the green light and that being the focus for Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips, uh, it has recently come to light that that Hulk Hogan movie um might be suffering because of that. Uh, in a conversation with comicbook.com, Chris Hemsworth was asked about what is the status of that Has he started ripping any shirts yet or any of that sort of <laughs> stuff. And he basically admitted that, you know, li- right now that is a ways off. That Todd Phillips is a brilliant director, but he's he's busy with other things. And he himself, Hemsworth, is busy with other things. And it seems like they're still trying to get on the, you know, trying to finalize the script and and you know get that going but it's not kind of near yet it sounds like that's still yeah. something that will manifest itself in two or three or four years you know who knows it's it, it's a ways off sure. so for me who is dying for his 80s period piece hogan biopic from todd phillips i'm gonna have to wait a few years apparently so that's the one sort of sad part about yeah. this uh, Joker <laughs> two news um but I'm just curious for you too. As a, yeah, I know you're not really like a wrestling fan per se, but do, do you, does any of this project appeal to you? That when you yeah, heard what... that there was going to be a Hogan
1: thing you were in. When they announced this, I was all over it. I was like, and okay. I loved that uh, Chris, Yeah, no, that I I was like, that was probably like, I mean, aside from like maybe the Attitude Era with like yeah the peak of like The Rock and Steve Austin. Yeah. I mean, I was a Hulkamaniac. <laughs> I was Hulk Hogan yeah. for like Halloween when I was in like first grade. I had the shirt. Oh, I had wow. man. I was obsessed. I had like you know Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy. I was I was all in on Hulkamania. Which um, is it's it's funny now because like you know all, by all accounts like apparently he, he's a huge piece of shit in real life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, i mean that's well. kind of the truth but uh you know uh terry terry was it terry Bo yeah. <laughs> um by the way i don't know if i ever asked you this total random oh. detour on the podcast but maybe it's some good. listeners remember it too do you remember it was on like i think it was on like upn 9 like channel 9 <laughs> that was at least channel 9 out here on cable vision <laughs> in new york um the uh kogan had a show called i think like uh thunder in paradise where like he was just like some like bounty hunter or something with like a stealth like like speedboat and yeah i used to watch it and like loved it because i was little and i didn't know that it was garbage television but i'm like is that streaming anywhere like can i find that because i think we should just do like a watch party and just shit all (laughs) over it i think it's got to be the most garbage thing ever and it's probably hysterical so I don't know. If well, anyone can point me or has found it somewhere, we got to we got to get a hold look. of it and we'll do it.
0: <laughs> I'm looking right now. Let's see. <laughs> Thunder it looks like paradise. you can rent it on like Amazon Prime, but it's not it's not available
1: anywhere. It only had one yeah, season up. in 94.
0: <laughs> what? It was a one season show. I didn't even think I realized that. Wow. Brutal. Oh, well, man. yes, I do remember Thunder in Paradise. I remember it came from the producers of Baywatch and they were trying to have like their own like another international show they could sell into syndication like Baywatch and they thought Thunder in Paradise was going to be that for them and uh, well, they got you, Brett, and you're still talking about it all these a years. A
1: DVD is only $16 I think. Maybe hey, I'll just buy it. It's a three your disc set. Huh?
0: Maybe. But uh, all right, now we're going to move on. Actually, since we're taking detours anyway, uh, with the WWE, I don't know if you heard the crazy news this week uh, that Vince McMahon is being investigated by the board of directors at WWE. This was announced I read by the this. Wall Street yeah. Journal that apparently he may have been using personal funds or WWE funds whatever the case, using $3 million to cover up an affair. And uh, the WWE board is looking into him and other allegations against John Laurinaitis, who's the uh, vice president in charge of talent relations. So for any of you fans, uh, any people out there who check out WWE or even just know about it or know of the McMahon family, I feel like they're like a staple in American pop culture, whether you follow wrestling or not. It looks like, uh, you know, some major things are moving and shaking over there, and it, it might be crazy to think, but there could be a a, a part, a, a time in the not too distant future, where WWE moves on from Vince McMahon, the guy who
1: founded the thing. If this speaking goes to of pieces him. of shit, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like him and Hogan he's, deserve he's, themselves. He's pretty up there. Yeah. Um, Honestly, Vince McMahon getting ousted would probably be the best thing for WWE right now. Honestly, anyway, yeah. like he's he's lost his way. Um, I pay attention a little bit. I, I yeah. uh, there is some crossover with some other podcasts I listen to. Uh, um and uh yeah definitely that that's uh the opinion of uh one individual it's actually he's a a real quick detour dan reichert he's a pretty popular in like uh video games media he left uh like video games media like two years ago to go work for wwe and he was hired there to like make podcasts and do stuff and he talked about uh, he recently came back to games media now he's going to be running giant bomb and he uh mentioned like on another podcast like like, you know, he was brought in to make podcasts, and they were just like did not like let him produce any new stuff. They were yeah. totally out of touch. The communication was horrible, and and he um you know he also mentioned Hulk Hogan was a piece of shit, and then, yeah. then, man he he had some things, and he said that like he's like really holding that. Federation back, and that's why he loves like AEW. And like while he was working at WWE, he went to two AEW events but had to wear like a luchador mask because he was like, What if they cut to a close up <laughs> and they go, Oh, there's WWE employee Dan Riker. And yeah. then he would like, because like he said, he survived like multiple in two years that he was there, multiple rounds of just like random layoffs, people getting fired. And wow. like he just said they just they let you know, it, it's pretty well known. I think like Vince McMahon just fucking fires people left and right. When yeah, they don't uh, yeah. like, who do you want. So the contracts yeah.
0: are basically meaningless. You can be signed to a three year contract. If Vince decides one morning, he doesn't want you there. But yeah, yeah.
1: he's out. He's out of touch, uh, obviously, just by the product. And like most fans, I think kind of feel that way, too, yeah. you know, anecdotally. like uh, So whatever.
0: I and I should just add, by the way, Riker,
1: <laughs> Riker is not being
0: totally paranoid by wearing the Luchador mask. There was a time in TNA wrestling where a WWE uh, wrestler came in the audience just to watch. He was not there to try to tease that he was playing TNA. But TNA shot him. And they announced something on the – like the announcers acknowledged that he was there – and he ended up getting fired from WWE
1: because of that. So yeah.
0: Riker wearing a luchador mask, it may sound crazy, but in the world of wrestling but the way this, things go. Yeah. And was he was like a
1: behind the very, scenes guy, like very, not right. even like a guy on camera, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And he had to like make sure he's like, what if someone does a special move and I'm in like a, a close row and the camera cuts <laughs> me and they see me, oh, I'm yeah. screwed. Um,
0: So yep. very, very
1: funny. But
0: Well, uh, speaking of being screwed, we're getting a Wonder Man series on Disney Plus. <laughs> What a uh, segue! <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't know if you heard about this. the The, the director of Shang Chi, a movie I haven't seen, is developing a Wonder Man Marvel series for Disney Plus, and uh, it sounds like you know. Listen, they've been trying to get something going with Wonder Man for a while, right? There was there, there was the great fun stuff that that James Gunn worked was trying to work into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. With Nathan Fillion playing the role of Wonder Man, but that ultimately ended up on the cutting room floor. Right. And, but it seems like you know he's been kind of in the pipeline in in some way, shape, or form for a couple of years now. And it seems like this is they finally found the approach they're going to go with you know wonder man there's a few different incarnations of him he's got some very unique powers and manipulating manipulating molecule, molecules and teleportation and all kinds of weird funky stuff there's a version of wonder man where he's like a like a stunt man in hollywood and he's right. uh, he's part of the west coast avengers you know, there's lots of interesting things but apparently there's an expectation that the show might be a little meta a little, yeah, might break the fourth wall, have some fun with the Hollywood setting, and the fact that he's also a stunt man and whatever. So, I don't know. Uh, when you heard that there was going to be Wonder Man series, did you get filled with excitement? Did you just get washed over with apathy, or were you angry about it? How did you feel, Brett?
1: <laughs> I was so angry. No, I just, <laughs> I just, I just felt the meh wash over me. Like yeah. a big wave of meh. I went, oh, sorry. Yeah, sure. Just make some more fucking content, I guess. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I could not care less. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, that could be, like, the biggest surprise, right? They could just come out and just be, like, so charming. And so cool. And like, you know, I think if they maybe keep it like isolated from everything else, kind of like Moon Knight and just let it be its own thing, um, it could be something really cool. But like when you say Wonder Man, I was just like, what the fuck is he made of bread? There's something
0: campy about it already. (laughs) There's something cheeky and campy about it just being Wonder Man. Yeah. Yeah. So – yeah, well, we'll keep an eye on it, Mia. Let's see who they cast as the lead. They tend to get great actors. You know, Marvel has, yeah. Studios has a pretty stellar track record of attracting really good actors for these roles. So, listen, they got Oscar Isaac for Moon Knight. Let's right. see who they get for Wonder Man, and kind of take it from there. Um, then now over on the, uh, yeah, the still within the world of Marvel, but now in the Sony version of Marvel. Yeah. Uh, I know that you felt great about Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. And I know that you are ecstatic that there's going to be a Venom 3. But did you know that Tom Hardy is co-writing
1: it? I saw it. I saw the headline and I was like, yeah, (laughs) okay. I mean, like, I don't like, is Tom Hardy a good writer? Has he written any of his other projects? I don't know. Like, okay, sure. I mean, like, listen, the first movie really had like a cool tone, you know, it wasn't perfect, but there was just something fun about it. Like they really took a swing with it and it was like corny in all the right ways. And, you know, lame CG villain. And, and, you know, the third act is kind of like, eh, but then that second movie was just like real trash. I'm sorry. Like, I know that some people really liked it, but like a waste of Woody Harrelson. Um, it was a CG crap fest at the end. It, it came out way too fast as the first one. It was totally a big rush job and it didn't have the same charm or same uh, like je ne sais quoi that the first one had. So uh, maybe they can redeem themselves in the third one if there's something interesting going on. But I, I don't know if like I don't think we have any details yet. If it's just going to be another like it's another symbiote like, you know, bad guy. I'm like, I'm out, you know. Yeah, to me, what this what Sonyverse like is just fucking whack, man. It's morbid it, time.
0: <laughs> it makes it really makes no damn sense what no, they're no. doing with their Spider Manless Spider Manverse, and man. in general, it got me thinking about one of the. I, I want to have a whole episode one of these coming weeks where we talk about the non Marvel Studios Marvel on film.
1: Oh, yeah. So
0: I I think, you know, there's a period there between 1999 and 2007 where there were a whole bunch of Marvel movies that came out. But this was during the era where there was no uh, centralized Marvel Studios, where everyone, you know, all the different studios just had their own rights to their own characters and everything was just... Thrown around, so I'd love to talk about '99 through 2007, and even talk about these pitfalls that Sony's got going on now. All of the non-Marvel studios, Marvel movies deserve, I think, uh, some of our attention. What do you think, Brad? Sure. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, when it comes to Venom Three and Tom Hardy, I mean, I don't know. I don't think Tom Hardy is known for being a writer. I, don't, I think he's known for being a very charismatic actor where you know he's known for being kind of a shapeshifter he's known for you know lots of things but being some great screenwriter that's not one of the things he's known for yeah. so I mean, maybe, maybe he's, he's learned
1: some stuff doing all these films and he and maybe he realized that venom 2 was a real stinker and he was like I, I better like just try to like take the reins on this one and uh yeah. really make it something i mean listen if he's doing 3 of these i i mean I, listen maybe the paycheck's really good but i imagine like yeah he he could probably do whatever he wants. He's Tom Hardy. I think he's got like that cachet in Hollywood. So I mean he must yeah. really care. You know, he this might and be that something was, that's yeah, really near and dear to him. So that was the reason I wanted to talk about it too, because
0: I'm like Tom Hardy, who is a serious actor who does take this stuff seriously, him agreeing to not only come back for a third, unless it was a three-picture deal and he's got no you know choice, but him agreeing to come back for a third, but to actually now be even more a part of it more invested in it actually co-writing it to right. me that tells me something You're know, like all right it, it it gives me a little bit of curiosity just to see what is it about this story or what is it that tom hardy thinks he can bring this that's going to make this movie special you know right so um but speaking of special things no, this is a terrible uh segue but <laughs> no, what no, is no. going on with ezra miller all right. Oh. I feel like we've Jesus. talked about Ezra a number of times in these in the last like 10 or so episodes. And it's
1: worse every time. Every time. and now it's like now it's like weird and creepy. And now I'm like, all right. Now yeah. I can't I so can't blow it of off you, anymore. <laughs> I keep yeah. being like, let's not even talk about it. Every week you're always like there's a new thing in there, and like just like a little little behind the scenes. Mario yeah. will be like, oh, you know, I, he, he brings the Ezra Miller topic up every week because there's always some <laughs> weird thing about him. And I'm always like, dude, nothing, what else is there to say about it? Like he did some weird stuff, but like now we can't ignore it because this this new news came out and it's like fucking like cult status, weird. Like,
0: yeah. So moly. for those of you who living under a rock, uh, Ezra Miller has deleted the, their Instagram Uh, But they did that after posting some really strange posts alluding to being in an alternate universe and how they cannot be touched because they're in another dimension. And uh, they were just recently served papers by some like Native American reservation. And there's like there's just things are getting batshit off the rails. He's like like,
1: grooming like a young uh, woman or something like that. And like he abused the parents, and like kidnapped her, and like now like they can't like he stole her cell phone or something, and it's like weird. There was a thing where yeah. they, he tried to share a bed with them. And they were like 14 years old, and a chaperone like was like, "Nah, you, you can't do that." I don't. It's like really weird, like all the details, but it's like things just make some bad turns. Per- person needs uh needs like help. They're obviously having like a mental break. You know, it's yeah. um I don't even want to like I you can- know we laugh about it a little bit, but like, I don't even want to yeah. be it's there's one thing when you're just like, just kind of like doing crazy stuff, but like now it's like you're harming people and like yeah. saying really weird outlandish stuff. And it like reeks of like someone who's like going through like a paranoid schizophrenic break or like some like yes, severe like bipolar mania. Yeah. And it's, um you know, cause like I've, I've like known some people that are like kind of close to me that have had these uh kind of uh, issues before. And it's, yeah, it's like, it's a it's disturbing. So now it's like, I don't know now, now, now we really do have to talk about like what happens with this flash film. I was like, yeah, they could ignore it. But like now it's, now it's weird. And it's just like, I, I wish them well. I wonder where their handlers
0: are, which I've mentioned in the past. You know, Usually actors with any kind of profile, they've got people in their lives. They've got managers. They've got agents. They've got people who are working with them to like get them the help they need or to keep them out of trouble or keep their head above water. Where is Ezra Miller's support team? Where are the people who are going to there and be there to stop them from sinking deeper and deeper into whatever this craziness is? And then, yeah, yeah now, and that's uh, yeah, that's the most important part, their health and getting them straight before they either hurt someone else or themselves. Yeah. But now if we're going to talk about it just from a strictly from the movie standpoint, it's really strange because everything I'm hearing about how the film is testing is that, it's a really good movie and that it's going to be like a great step forward for DC on film. And it's going to, you know, it's going to finally kind of move us past this weird, awkward limbo stage, this slow moving reboot that's been going on for the last six years. We're going to finally move into the next phase of things with this freaking flash movie. But what happens now, if you've got a star that's completely, you know, off the reservation and you can't even have them promote it. And yeah. like you think it, they
1: could do press? Like, I don't yeah, know. Like, like,
0: you know, I think about what happened with West side story where Ansel Elgort has some old accusations from social media against him. So he didn't go out and promote West side story at all. And right. I'm like, well, what happens when you're the star of the movie? I mean, He was the star. He's Tony in West side story. Yeah. Right. Ezra Miller is the flash, the flash. What are they going to do? No, I mean, again, it's not as important as this person figuring out what's going on with themselves and getting that sorted out. But this issue with the movie, it's if I'm an executive at that studio, I'm very anxious right now. And I'm hoping that between now and June 20th, thankfully, we have a year, you know, Miller can either get on the rails or at least stay out of the headlines for long enough to not damage this thing that they have so much writing on you right know, because this flashpoint movie really is going to be like the linchpin that helps complete the pivot into whatever the future of dc on film is yeah. you know black yeah, adam's, adam's be- gonna yeah. do a lot of it but flash is gonna
1: be a major turning point and i was gonna say like as we've seen like so like obviously like they're saying like we can't reshoot the movie he's the main character yeah. he's in it but even from the few screenshots we've seen if you have obviously i'm sure unless you live under a rock like there's like three or four Barry Allens played by Ezra yeah. Miller in this movie, so it's like it's not even like you just have to reshoot. Like, there's a lot of, and he's got different hair and like different yeah. look, so it's like, and he's, he's apparently in the movie, in like, like they are
0: apparently in like every scene. You know, that, that was one of the yeah. things I read in the report on this. And like, there's you know, four of him, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, so it, it's it's such a mess. It's such a yeah. mess. I hope they figure it out. I hope Miller gets their head on straight. I hope nobody gets hurt or further sort of you know uh messed with or or otherwise abused by miller while they're on this downward spiral but uh yeah it's uh it's troublesome but uh now we're going to move into some listener questions things that y'all have sent in to the fanboy podcast at gmail.com so in in the spirit of our listener questions, we're gonna go right to Mr. Kyle Lenin. Like Lane Lenin? I don't know, Kyle. Let me know how if I'm saying it right. Okay. So he said, Hello, fellas. Great listen. Would the bat girl have to be pushed? Oh, wait, I'm reading the wrong Kyle email. Sorry about that, Kyle. All right, this is the right Kyle. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I answered that one like two months ago. So I'm like, am I having a, my own psychotic break right now? <laughs> OK, Kyle Lainan has asked, will the events of Black Adam bleed over into the Shazam sequel? How tied together will the two films be? Well, I like that question. Of course, we don't know for sure, but we can speculate, Brett. So yeah. let's go ahead and speculate, because I was recently reminded of something. Maybe, Brett, you didn't even know this, possibly. Let's see. Am I reminding you or am I breaking news to you that at okay. a certain point, Shazam, the script for the first Shazam movie, was going to contain the origins for both Shazam and Black Adam. It was going to attempt to introduce both characters. Did you know
1: that, Brett? I think I do remember hearing these little, yeah. little things. Okay.
0: Yes. So... Originally, it was going to be one story featuring the two of them, and then they decided we want to actually split these up into two separate stories. Um, So with that in mind, right, we've gotten our Shazam origin, and now we're about to get our Black Adam origin. And I feel like the logical conclusion is that these two are going to cross paths, if not the next time around, like in Shazam three or maybe black Adam two, I'm thinking probably black Adam two, depending just because of the way the releases of these films are lining up. But I, you know, you do kind of have to have the sense that there are creative plans that have been discussed that involve the two characters interacting. This whole thing began as a story with these two characters and black Adam is most known as an antagonist to Shazam. So I feel like, you know, Black Adam may not include any kind of Shazam stuff except for maybe like a post-credit tease or something along those lines. Yeah, that's what I feel like. Yeah, there'll be like some post-credit something. But then Shazam 2 will happen and it'll largely not include any real mention of Black Adam. But then maybe at the end of that one, that's now where they cross paths and it ends on almost like a cliffhanger, getting you ready for Black Adam 2 or Black Adam versus Shazam or whatever it is they're planning on. You know, that's kind of just where I think they're going. I think that there already is creative synergy between these two franchises. And I think it's only logical that after black adam there'll be a tease in Shazam 2 there'll be a tease and then in a in a fourth film within this little pocket universe we're going to have the two of them you know in the same story right possibly with superman like certain iconic stories have uh, attempted to do in the past then we got another listener question from Oshri Oshree, yes. man, my man, we miss you. We got to put together another The Fanboy Podcast uh, movie watch screening party one of these months. Yeah. yeah, we haven't done a watch party in a while. But uh, Oshree wrote to us about Kenobi, and it sounds like he's not really loving his trip so far through the series. He wrote us an email after episode four, just kind of generally venting about the show, that there's things that he likes. But there's things to him are like chalk, uh, like nails on a chalkboard, uh, namely the performance of young Leia. And in general, he seems worried similar to you, Brett, that kind of like with Boba Fett, they might be missing the boat here with these characters or not really giving them the the type of spotlight or the type of story that fans perhaps may have been waiting all these years to see. And I guess, you know, th- that's how Osri's feeling. And I'm just curious, you know, I, a full disclosure, I have not had a chance to catch up on the series. so I know you're ahead of me, but the plan is for next week, after the finale of Kenobi takes place, we will be recording and we will do a kind of long form discussion on all of these final, you know, few episodes. But yes. for now, Brett, how are you feeling? You've gone through five episodes of this series. Yeah, is Kenobi letting you down, or is Kenobi hitting the spot?
1: No, for me, for me, it's hitting the spot. And uh, you know, Oshri, I I share definitely. I think we have a similar feel about the book of Boba Fett. It definitely that one didn't exactly hit for me, except for like I said, those those two Mandalorian episodes that were just kind of stuck in the middle. Those things were like two thumbs up for me. And Boba Fett as a whole, though, didn't really didn't really do it for me. Obi-wan is working for me. Um, you know, and, and it seems like for you, there's a lot of parts that you're enjoying, uh, but like the whole, uh, you know is not, doesn't seem to be hitting for you. Um, I will come along with you. I think um, I don't know there's parts where I think the young Leia actress is, is really nailing it and there are definitely some parts where I feel um, you know, it's it's not that great. Um, there's been some like little weird things. Some of the action scenes seem a little like there's something like the pacing or like they're a little slow or something. I don't know what it is. Um, so it just kind of, it kind of depends from like scene to scene for me. Um, now, uh, this, these comments were as of episode four, um, by the time you hear this, you may have seen episode five. And, uh, I think for me, episode five did a great deal of uh you know without any spoilers i don't want to spoil it for mario or anything like that um episode five uh laid a lot of nice stuff in there that i think uh um really uh did justice to uh some of our characters and uh there was definitely some uh leia in that episode but not as much i like that they kind of backed off a little bit she was important in it but it wasn't like as much as she's been in like the other episodes. So um, yeah, I'm wondering, I'm actually curious for you to comment again, shoot us another email and let us know. uh, Well, I guess maybe next week after you've watched like the whole finish the series, or at least like let you see what you think after having seen episode five, because uh, definitely I feel like there was, there was some justice served there for some characters.
0: Right on. See for me uh, through the, Two, no Through the three episodes I have watched, um, I'm not being let down by the show at all. I, I'm being fed quite well as a Star Wars fan. That's how I'm feeling. But I'll let yeah. you know how I feel after seeing four, five, and six. But uh, one show that I have been watching and I'm fully caught up on, as are you, is Superman and Lois. So we're going to be wrapping up this episode with a long-form discussion on the last three episodes that have aired so far of Superman and Lois. There are two left in Season 2, so we're ramping up. We're heading towards the Season 2 finale finale. And uh, the 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 remainder of this episode will be dedicated towards dissecting the last three episodes. So if you are not someone who's watching Superman and Lois, I don't know what is the matter with you. But uh, now is a, a fair point to jump off of episode 153 of the Fanboy. And thank you for listening. And we hope you uh, have liked or rated or reviewed the show by now and told your friends about us. And uh, now, without further preamble... Let's talk about Superman and Lois. So yes, let's. Uh, after the most recent hiatus, there have been three episodes since we've come back, and they've covered a lot of ground. So let me just ask you, just generally speaking, through these last three episodes, how are you feeling about where season two is headed?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm loving season two. I really like the threats that they set up for Superman. I love all the Bizarro World stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's been it's been really good um they i think i'm trying to i don't even i this is gonna be hard for me to actually go back three episodes i don't know if i remember <laughs> um you might have caught up more recently because i was watching as they've been airing um yeah. but i think what was the last one we talked about did we talk about um we talked about the reveal uh that he revealed himself to lana
0: yeah and that's
1: that was like okay, the that, was the, that was the last one last, yeah, that was right greatest. yeah um so yeah that that's been interesting uh to navigate um You know, that relationship has changed quite a bit since that reveal and it's trickling down and affecting uh, the family and the kids in a way. And then Lois as well. It's, it's, it's really having a lot of ramifications in their personal life, uh, which is interesting outside of the super, you know, threats that are going on, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really digging it. Um, And and, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. that was gonna be my question, Allie. now that we, we, we've had all these questions the whole season. What is this alley thing going to lead to? Is it going to live up to this threat that they keep talking about? What does this mean, the merging and the thing? So now we've got finally gotten to see some alley. What were you going to say?
1: Right. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, she's a little, um, what's the word? She's a little mustache twirly, really. <laughs> I think, a little bit. And, and I, I still don't, uh, I kind of get her endgame, but I'm still not like 100% understanding. Like, <laughs> why she's doing all this. So that, that's been maybe like, if I had to give like a little nitpick, a little thing and she's yeah. just kind of, you know, just always just doing the, the God float um, around, yeah, yeah. you know, with, like, <laughs> she just a lot. So, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, some, some of the, like the, uh, the more like, um, drama e it's interesting this season it's like they kind of just pivoted all like the human drama onto like alana uh, Lana and her family almost like a lot yeah. of that is there and, uh, the little more melodramatic kind of stuff which I could uh, I could maybe do a little less with um, just and you know that's that's um a testament to the writers just because I just find Clark and Lois and the kids so interesting uh, that I sometimes yeah. don't want to like part ways with them but I understand why they have to like do that and balance it out and you know it's but the overall yeah yeah, I guess I'd really enjoying it. um you know, this most recent episode I just watched before and uh, finished right before we started recording um leaves things in a really interesting position for the final two episodes, so
0: yeah well, for me, just in terms of general things. I, there's so much brilliant Superman mythologizing happening on this show and reinventing of the Superman myth and little tweaks and things that are hark back to the past. Like, I'm so in love. So, OK, the alley thing, uh, her merged self essentially becoming a version of the Superman villain Parasite. I didn't see that coming. You know, the, oh, to me, yes, I've I, I always, <laughs> yeah. And they actually use the verbiage this time in case anyone missed it in the most uh-huh. recent episode. It's like, and now she's developed like a parasite where she can suck, you know, the energy out of Superman or whatever. And I'm like, and that's one of Superman's most well-known villains. You know, he He's like a mini boss, I've always felt. Like he's not, never been compelling enough to be the main thing. But Parasite's always been a Superman villain. So Allie becoming some version of that I think is really cool. This stuff where in Superman's absence you have heroes rising up in his place. You know, it happened briefly when he went to Bizarro World and was there for a month and we saw Superboy and Steel step up, right? But now it seems to be on the verge of happening again where, you know, we're going to get to it, but he has no powers at the end of the most recent episode and they seem to be teasing that Steel and his daughter and Jordan are going to be having to step up and fill Superman's shoes and that's perfect there's a synergy there there's a connection there to the death of superman storyline because when in the right. death of superman storyline that is when steel rose to fill the vacuum of superman that's when there was the new superboy um who was premiered when his little leather jacket and all that sort right. of stuff but you know, yes, that's not Jordan Kent, but there was a Superboy who rose up in the vacuum of a Superman who can't help us anymore. So I just love right. those little things or like it's it's reminiscent of older stories, but there's a spin on it. There's, you know, yeah, it's just it it pushes the mythology in a new sort of direction. And then even Clark and Lana's relationship in this series is phenomenal to me and kind of groundbreaking. When it comes to Superman in general, to the way it's been handled in the past, because when we return from hiatus and finally get to see Lana's thoughts on finding out this secret, and we go later on in that episode into a flashback into what happened, uh, we basically learned that Clark came back to Smallville after deciding he was going to be Superman and disappearing for a time to prepare for that mission. He came back to Smallville to get his girl back. He yeah. came back to Smallville expecting that Lana would be there and they could hopefully pick up where they left off. And when he gets there, there's Lana having moved on now with Kyle. So that's interesting to kind of look at Clark's adult-like life through that vantage point of like actually right. he wanted to end up with Lana. It, like had th- his plan A was Lana Lang. She moved on. He ends up in Metropolis. He meets someone else and it's thankfully it's Lois and it's incredible with Lois. But that sort of twist on things, I think, is interesting. You know, I've never seen Clark, you know, portrayed as Lana being his his main love that he hopes to be with. And that the reason it ends is because she goes and marries someone else. It almost reminded me you like Superman Returns. It was just, we're talking about things that are similar but different. You know, he returned from being randomly away to find that his love interest had found a new man. Yeah. You know? So... I thought that was a very interesting sort of twist on the mythology, too. And in general, I just love what the series is doing with taking Superman tropes, taking established bits of Superman lore, but putting their own sort of unique twist and spin on it. And to me, it's so exciting. It makes it so fresh. It makes it so like I have no real idea where they're going next, what they're going to pull from next. And uh, yeah, it's just it's so cool to see. But now... Yeah, let, let's break down a little bit, you know, what what came out of the first episode back from the break. So after, Lo, after Clark revealed himself to Lana, her reaction, you know, it threw her for a loop, right? It threw yeah. her for a loop. And ultimately, she made the decision to cut the Kents out of her life. And I don't think anyone saw that coming, you know? Yeah. But... You know, with that in mind, like, I feel like one of the big themes of this series so far, through two seasons, I think one of the big themes has been the cost of secrets, the weight Mm -hmm. and cost of having a double life and what that means. And that excites me, Brett, because as Superman fans, I feel like we've always just taken for granted that he's got a double life. That he pretends to be someone else half the time, and that he's got to lie to a lot of the people that actually mean the most to him. We've just taken it for granted. That's just part of the mythology, you know, from the nineteen thirty-eight. You know, disguise, mild man and a reporter. Like we've never really given any thought to the idea of. But well, what happens with those secrets, and what toll does that take on your relationship to those around you when you can't be fully yourself with them? You know, and in season one, they explore that a lot with the sons, with the cost it was having on Clark's family life, suddenly having this double life. And Lois is, is can't really keep the secret as well anymore because the kids are get, they're getting stronger and older and they're getting more aware of things. And Jordan's developing powers. You know, the cost of secrets to me has been something that even came back up now with this. Because as we try to understand why Lana cuts the kents out one of the things is she doesn't want to tell her daughter about this because this could put her daughter in danger because it's not just about even even if sarah wants to keep the secret forever that's an incredible burden now to know that you have this secret that keeps an entire family potentially at risk and yourself at risk for you being associated with these people and I feel like we've never seen the Superman myth approach this this way. We've never seen yeah. a dissection of the cost of double lives and secrets and even Kyle's living his own thing because he had he was living a double life for a time and then it ended and he thought he got away with it. But ultimately, it came back to bite him and Lana found out and now he's paying the price and he's going through right. his own arc through that. But a lot of the series, I feel like a recurring thim- thing has been the cost of Secrets and and keeping yourself from your loved ones and not being your full self with the people who know you best and how dangerous sure. that can be and how unfair that can be. So, you know, it's I know there's been a lot of drama with 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 the, with the Lang family or whatever the the married yeah. name is, Kyle uh, Cushing's,
1: I you know? think, Yeah,
0: yeah, the Cushings. But I feel like it's it, it's been for a good cause. I think it's been all part of a very interesting sort of dissection of a part of the Superman lore that usually just kind of gets ignored, which is the cost of double lives and secrets. Yeah. You know, um, what an
1: interesting challenge for Superman. Like, yeah, that's how you challenge him. You know, when the guy who can, you know, punch through everything and, uh, punch his way out of any situation, technically, like that's how you challenge him and keep him compelling. Like so that, you know, yeah. again, showing the writers, uh, you know, really know how to write a Superman story. And it, and it really is possible. Do. It is possible. It really to is have possible. Good Superman story. Um yes. so.
0: and then there have been so many great like Superman moments scattered throughout, but how about him taking Jordan to the North Pole and I was gonna bring him? that up.
1: That how was amazing such a great was sequence. Uh his that was yes. his flight, his his flight sequence. His learning first how to flight. fly. And I loved yeah. how they did it. Um there was yep. even a funny little Star Wars joke in there um where he said, you said this that. is where i do it he goes, he goes i call it what's that and he's just like oh. <laughs> and By it was way, great
0: i i just want you to know that like i almost i, I i'm gonna sound like such an exaggerator and such a sap but i almost cried tears of joy when he said that <laughs> because yeah. the idea that we're establishing a superman who's a star wars geek
1: Oh, oh yeah. See, I love, like, you're, you're Clark, he's right I love that. It's yeah. good. He, Clark
0: Kent making a star Wars reference and being upset. His son doesn't know it. That yeah. spoke so to my soul that I was like, Oh wow. The people writing this <laughs> are writing this for me. That's how it feels so, sometimes.
1: So after, you know, Jordan, he <laughs> falls down like the, the big giant, you know, uh yeah. valley and he's about to hit the floor, and then he just thrusts his arms out, and he goes, yeah. and it, it was it was great. They had the little musical cue, and then um, you know, he flies back up, and then Clark knows him. He's like, "You're not you're not slowing down." <laughs> he's like, yeah. "You gotta learn how to slow down." <laughs> and then he so he to, saved yeah. him. But when they land, the look on Clark's face when <laughs> he was jumping. just like, and the jumping was so great. It was heartwarming. It was all it was such an awesome yeah. moment because he was just like was so proud of his son, and like it was just oh, you know whatever. You just looking yeah. that his first flight, you know, and. You yeah. got the shit, wasn't you know? When Clark did it, it was like by himself, you know what I mean? And like, yes. he yeah, to out with was his son, and it was just really nice. It was, it was a really, really well done moment, really yeah. cool. I love when we get to get
0: like the Superman version of regular father moments, you know what I mean? Because that <laughs> moment of jumping up and down with your son, like that could have happened you know, in real life, that'll happen on a baseball field when your son yeah. gets hit, you run, or gotta, but yeah. yeah. The Superman version of it is you just flew. But, you know, yeah. but like, there, you know, in general, the Superman version of father things, I love a great yeah. deal. And they do a lot of that on the show, too. Now, now they kind of get serious a little bit. There was a scene with Jonathan that really touched me in the latest episode. Also, remember earlier on this season, when Clark found out about what Jonathan was doing with the XK he came down on him real hard, and we got we yeah. we got to see Clark Kent, you know, use the dad voice and really yeah. come down on him. The but disciplinarian,
1: time,
0: <laughs> yeah. But this time we got the, we got the yeah, the the part B, the bookend to that, where essentially he explains to Jonathan like, I would love as your father, it's so hard for me to let you make mistakes. I want to basically shield you from everything. I want to make sure that. You don't, you know, go through anything. But I also know that you have to learn and you're going to make mistakes and I'll be here whenever you do. And I'm like, what a perfect that's how Superman would parent because that is the, you know, so many fathers, you know, parents in general, I feel we feel that way. We feel this helplessness where with your kids, you wish that there was something you could say that would make them avoid certain pitfalls or make them avoid their first heartbreak or make them avoid their first painful issue. You know, like we, you always want to try to give them that one bit of advice that makes them avoid stuff. But at the end of the day, power and you realize they have to learn from their mistakes. They're going to, they're going to fall down and they're going to go through a lot of this stuff, whether you help them or not. And you just have to stand back and be there to help them pick up the pieces. You know, and that's it and superman basically you know clark approaching it from that vantage point of like you're going to make mistakes but i'll be here that was just you know yeah. the, to me that's the, on top of that too Like we're talking about the superman version of regular father things superman more than any other father could probably do a really good job of insulating his sons from ever really dealing with any real hardship. If he really wanted to and use his abilities and be really hands on, he could make sure his sons are always just fine. So for him, it's even more of that helplessness of like, I want to help you not end up in dark places, but I have to forcibly stop myself and let you live your life. And I just want you to know that no matter what happens, I'll be here for you.
1: Yeah, I love nah, that, that. Was stuff. that was a really good moment, really yeah. well acted moment. Uh, Tyler, uh, Ho- Ho- was it Hoeklin, Heckland? Ho- yeah. Uh He he's he's just he's just really good. <laughs> he's really yeah. good. He gets the character. He's really good. He's uh, doing everything he can with every uh, you know bit of dialogue and writing he gets from that writing yep. team there, and he's just knocking it out of the park. He's just yep. he's really good. And
0: the other big thing that was established here was that Tal Ro is now out and about, and we don't know where he is. on I mean, am on the main yeah. earth of the show. Um, so that's interesting. But we, aside from that, we also saw that the Tal Ro in the bizarro world also had a noble heart. And I think that's all interesting because it seems like regardless of which earth, the writers or whomever are trying to let us know like Tal Roe at his core is good. He There's there right. a nobility and, and a goodness to him that in both versions in both versions of Earth, in one, he woke up towards the very end and realized, okay, I failed my brother on this Earth and he's dead, but I'm not going to fail this brother and he stops Ali and all that sort of stuff. We right. already know about Tal Roe on the main Earth who he seems like he's been on a redemption arc for a while now anyway. And they completed that three episodes ago. You know, Clark went to see him. He got him out of the prison stuff. He reconnected with Lois. He apologized for his mistakes. There was an interesting tension between him and Lois. But even Lois seems to understand by the end that he's not going to hurt us. He's already saved us like
1: three times. You know, like it's interesting. He helped him destroy the pendant, you know. uh, Yeah they teamed up and I, I really, and yet, that's something like I got. That was something I really enjoyed um seeing. Like that was, that yeah. was a really cool, it's been done very well. Um, and yet now, and you know, he's going to have there, to come back to the picture. There's two episodes. Yeah. Left, so he's going to have to come back in at the end here.
0: Although a part of me wonders too, if they're going to set up like, what if he goes to the bizarro world and he tries to be like the Superman, the savior of that world? Like at the end when this is all over, like you know, that could like be a, somehow that's
1: good, pretty cool, yeah.
0: Right, like maybe over the yeah, like but then again, would he have powers there? Or since it's inverted, he'd be human, he'd right? Be yeah, I don't know,
1: or he'd be a lot weaker, yeah. so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but, but I feel like yeah, a cool, they little cool for him, yeah.
0: Right. It'd be interesting if he could go there and use, you know, uh what what abilities he would have to try to, you know, do good in that world. Since there is no Superman, there is no Talro anymore, because Allie killed that Talro at the end of one right. of these episodes. And presumably Allie won't be around by the end of the season. So it'll be like a power vacuum in the Bizarro land. So maybe that's where Talro ends up. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But um all in all, I'm very much, I'm hooked into this. The Even the stuff with Lucy and Lois and General Lane, I felt like a lot of that is hitting a lot of the right emotional notes for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, all in all, I can't wait for the final two episodes of season two. The show yep. keeps moving along. It keeps getting me more and more excited for where they're going next. So last thing before we wrap up, you mentioned yep. the musical... Um, the, motif. the music yeah. cue, the motif that they gave Jordan. So you heard it this time, right? Yes. Because they played it also when he was doing that hooded Superboy rescue of yes. Kyle like four or five episodes ago, where you know they've already established like a Superboy theme, which makes me wonder one of two things: Are they going? Does this mean that as the series wears on, they're going to continue to beef up his role? To where he is a superboy, you know, it's Superman and Lois and Superboy, right. or in this world that we live in of expanded universes and spin offs and sequel series and stuff, would they maybe be considering a Superboy show for Jordan when, when Superman and Lois has run its course? Right. They gave him his own freaking superhero theme here, you know, right. and it seems like, you know. Maybe they're setting something up there. You know, what, what would you rather? I'm just at this stage of the game. Would you rather to see a continued expansion and importance of Jordan Kent's role? Or would you like him to get his own series uh, in some short amount of time from now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to see his role grow within this show. And, you know, because I really hope this show has like a nice, a nice run, you know. Yeah, um, me too. You know, and, and hopefully like also like, it doesn't need to go on for ten seasons. Like if, if like by season five they're like we're running out of ideas, like maybe they'll we'll just wrap up at season five or like, you know, season yeah. four or something like that. That's cool with me. But um I don't know. If they did a spin-off I don't know. I, I <laughs> it's weird yeah. now because now it's like <laughs> I'm so attached to Tyler Hoechlin. So it's like yeah, I want my Superman. And you can do Superboy. I mean, I'll be honest just from like, you know, if I really want to like dig down, I don't know that the i like him as an actor i i think uh the the kid who plays jonathan is a little bit stronger of an actor than jordan mm. uh the guy the kid who plays jordan personally yeah. um so I, I don't know if he could like carry a whole show and then if if he's still going to be like younger is it then just going to be like is it just going to be like young superman going through high school kind of thing and then then it's like at that point like you might lose the re- relatability uh, for me at least because yeah. i'm you know fucking in my mid thirties <laughs> by the time they have like a season five I'm six I'm gonna be freaking 40 so it's like at that point I don't know if I'm ready to like watch the high school drama anymore so um, I got you. you know the little bits I get in here is, is enough and and uh you know helps round out the show so yeah I, okay. I but I'm, I'm happy to like just keep them in this show and and keep showing like the challenges that Clark has with with raising him and like maybe you know um you know we're still seeing definitely uh, especially in this most recent episode, um, Jonathan still feeling a little left out of everything, you know, uh, they went to go, yeah. he was like, yeah, we went to a flying training. He's like, oh, cool. Well, I just stood here and did all the chores by myself. So awesome. I'm going to go take a shower. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's definitely that, um, I wonder where that road's headed. If like, there's really going to be a bit, I mean, there's been a little bit of butting heads, but I wonder if that's really going to snowball to something, um, yeah. you know, crazy. So We'll see so yeah I, I, I'm happy just with the show and let that go and let that evolve and then uh you know when it's when it's run its course it's run its course I don't need a spinoff all they'll right. want to do I'm a spin off of course but I don't need one yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah for what it's worth I'm with you too I hope this thing runs for a lot I, I want the ten seasons Brett all right so I hope this thing runs a good long time and they don't water it down by spinning it off or focusing more on you know, uh, expanding the superboy lore and forgetting about Superman. no, no no. So, yeah, I, I hope that they don't. But just the fact giving him his own theme and this more focus lately just has me wondering, yeah. like somebody over there is thinking about a superboy show. I you know somebody. Oh, I'm,
1: I'm sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. but uh, right now I'm thinking it's time to wrap this puppy up so uh everyone this has been episode 153 of the fanboy podcast brett if people wanted to find you and yell at you for your opinions between now and next week's show how could they
1: find you you can get me on twitter at super and or you could also just email the fanboypodcast at gmail.com uh mario and i both have access so we can read your ramblings there as well
0: capital idea and i am yeah. uh you can find me over on the twitter at superman on film all one word and uh until next week be kind and stay fanboy adios